Well, I have with me Rolly and Tracy, members of our church who are serving faithfully in our North Point venue. Thank you for taking time to come and chat with us and share your story a little bit. How did you guys come to Christ? I was 18 and I'd grown up in a secular family and my cousin got saved and started coaching a hockey team and it was a Christian team and Rolly played on the team. Oh. So Rolly led me to the Lord. Uh, I accepted Christ when I was 21 and it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a big change for me. I was kind of living just the life of doing whatever I wanted to do and uh, I needed a change and I realized my need that I was searching for was Christ. And uh, I was brought up in a Catholic family and uh, yeah, so I had a lot of, my mom for one was a born again believer. There was a group of us basically that were seeking God and we we're all partying, doing all that. But in the midst of that, there was probably not at least 10 friends that became Christians at the same time. Almost within within a year, it was like pretty amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. So you became Christians, you're, you're young adults really. And how long did it take you to figure out that saved people serve people, that you need to get involved, that you need to be helpful, that you need to be a part? It wasn't until I actually got plugged in and stayed at one church that I realized uh, that there's a lot of things to do. And it was easy to get involved because there was such a need. And uh, it didn't matter whether you figured you had the gift to do it or not, you just discovered it by doing it. Me, I didn't really feel like I had anything to offer as far as serving. And so I kind of sat back and um, I think it was really because we had a pastor who just liked to place people in positions and me to you know move into children's ministry so I did and it started there and just continued to see areas where I grew well wonderful and in my observation and I, I love you guys I, uh, it seems to me as I watch you live out your faith that there's something to do you just do what you said to just always be there and that means so much to the neighborhood church and the north Park what effect does serving had on your life? I've been on both sides of the fence where I haven't been involved and I've been involved and the benefits outweigh <laughs> by a long shot being involved. And it's not always uh, convenient, but it's or it's, easy or even fun or even fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, it can be family can be, you know, sometimes difficult, but I mean, there's a, a definite blessing that falls upon those who decide to, because I mean, it, it does take a little bit of work. And when Christ called me, he didn't call me to be a spectator, but to be involved. He calls us to something greater than just being a spectator. What would you say to those who are wondering if they should get involved? I would say you should definitely get involved. And if you have gifts that you know that you already um, have or passions, speak to the leadership in that area and offer your services and they will just come alongside you and help you grow in that. And if you don't think so, if you don't think you have anything to offer, honestly, still go to somebody and, and ask if you can volunteer because they'll see something in you and they'll be able to place you in the right area and you'll see yourself grow. And the thing I loved about serving is 
because it doesn't come natural and I'm, I was very insecure about things is that I really had to rely on God to get me through a lot of that and we kind of coined, well we didn't coin the phrase, but happily terrified and it's stepping into an area where you're terrified but you're happy to do it because God wants you to do it. Hey, thanks for coming in and talking and I just invite everybody who's listening to get happily terrified because <laughs> save people serve people. So Pastor Jordan and I are going to talk to you about that tonight. We've never done anything like this together. This is either going to be good or disaster. <laughs> One or the One other, the yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping for the best. So. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll go just fine. <laughs> Sam Rayburn was the longest serving speaker uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives ever. Nobody has ever served as Speaker of the House of Representatives as long as Sam Rayburn. He woke up one morning to find out that uh, the daughter of one of his good friends had died suddenly. Um, and his first response was, I've got to get over there. And he went to the house and he knocked on the door and the dad came to the door and Sam said, I heard what happened. Is there anything I can do to help? And the friend replied, well, we're, we're making the arrangements, I think we are figuring out what to do. I think we'll be fine. And Sam said, but have you had your coffee yet? And they said, he said, no, we haven't even thought of that. We haven't had any breakfast. We haven't had anything. And the Speaker of the House of Representatives went into the kitchen and made them some coffee and made them breakfast. And in the middle of it, the friend said, I thought you were supposed to be meeting the president today. And he said, yeah, I was, but I called him and said, I've got a friend who needs me, I won't be coming. I think sometimes in life, we let important meetings great opportunities, favorite activities, get in the way of just being there. We let these kind of things get in the way of serving. Uh, we think it's more important to be at those things than to show up for people who really need us. So Pastor Don and I have been spending a lot of time in the last uh, three or four weeks in the book of Exodus. And, and the beginning of the book of Exodus is one of the most fascinating stories in, in the whole Bible. Probably one of the most fascinating stories in history. And it's the story of the children of Israel who've been living in Egypt and God says, it's time to get out of Egypt. I want to take you back to the promised land. Uh, 
and this wicked ruler named Pharaoh who doesn't want to let that happen. And I've been fascinated by a repeating phrase in about chapters Exodus 7 to Exodus chapter 10, I think it is. Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, Moses goes up to Pharaoh, and this is what he says. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 16, let my people go that they may serve me. <laughs> in the wilderness. God wanted people who had servant hearts. And notice where they had to serve, got to serve. They got to serve in the wilderness. Friends, this serving God is not something that just happens in the great times, the high times, the wonderful times. They were going to go serve God in the wilderness. Mature people have had something happen in their hearts where they do what they need to do when it needs to be done, whether they feel like it or not. And God's saying to, his, to Pharaoh here through Moses, let my people go that they may serve me. And it was going to be in the... Wilderness, Exodus chapter 8 and verse number 1. Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 20. Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 9 and verse number 1. Let my people go that they may serve me. So God wasn't saying, hey, Pharaoh, let these people out of, uh, out of Egypt so they can go uh, have lots of fun. Let my people go so they can have some parties. Let my people go so they can do whatever they want to do. Let my people go so they can have really good worship services. No, let my people go so they may serve me. Exodus chapter 9 and verse number 13. Oh, guess what? Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 10 and uh, verse number, and I love this one, verse number 3. Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 26. We do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So Moses is saying to Pharaoh, we're taking everything we got. <laughs> like it or not, we're taking everything we got. Because we do not know what we must serve the Lord with until we get there. Some of you are afraid to jump in and you're terrified and don't realize you should be happily terrified. Um, because you don't know what's ahead. You say, oh, I'm not going there because we don't really know what's going to work out. But I want you to know where God takes you, he's going to go with you. Where God takes you, he's going to give you gifts. He's going to give you abilities. I, uh, 22 years ago, 21 and a half years ago, I said yes in my heart to the call to come to Saskatoon. This church didn't call me till 20 years, 20 years ago, but 21 and a half years ago, I said yes in my heart to coming to Saskatoon. Didn't have a clue what was ahead. 
Didn't have a clue what was ahead. None of us know what's ahead when we say yes. But when he's calling, when he's calling, we need to say yes. We do not know what will come, but we must say yes. The call of God on our life as lives as believers is one to serve. Save people, serve people. I didn't know that when we drove up the highway from Regina, we were going to come and enjoy 20 plus delightful years with a church that has brought us so much joy. We had some hard times, yes, but in the hard times I haven't had any bad days because we've always just come together and said we're going to make it through, we're going to figure this out. I didn't know that it was going to be good. I didn't know I'd have the opportunity to be part of the adjunct faculty to rise in college and seminary. It's brought me so much delight. Didn't know I'd end up serving the district of our denomination as district superintendent for didn't know any we don't know what's going to happen when we say yes friends but we need to say yes because God has designed us God's purpose for all of us is to serve is to serve Pastor Jordan, dive in here. Enough of me. <laughs> I, I feel that uh, this theme actually resonates again in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, we, we see this idea that God brought his people out of, you know, the wilderness season in order to serve him. Well, in the same way, I think that works with salvation. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, we read this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. So I'm going to stop there just for a second, and I'll read the second verse or the next verse shortly. But um, sometimes, you know, our life of faith we need to recognize is not simply just a one-time transaction that, you know, gets us into heaven and then we quit there and that's the end of it. And if you've ever been taught that way, then, you know, that's not necessarily the way the gospel teaches things, mm -hmm. you see? I think we do a disservice to the gospel message if we ever try to present it that simply because it's not necessarily that God just wants to save you. He does want to save you. He has saved you. But he wants to live with you every single day, walk with you every day, um, be with you, his, his presence surrounding you and lead you into different things. The next verse says, for we are his workmanship. Hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so when you think about this idea of, of grace and work, sometimes we treat these things like there's some sort of dichotomy on the opposite end of each other. And I understand where we get that from, probably even with the Reformation theologians and, you know, wanting to emphasize that salvation was by grace alone. And that's a good thing. And that is very true. We see that in verse 8 and 9. But the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, and I don't have a slide for this, I'm just going to quote it. So says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And I quote that because for the Apostle Paul, grace wasn't simply about salvation. Oftentimes, we, we, we link grace to salvation. We, we, we think when we hear that word grace, you think of salvation, and that's where you leave it. But for the Apostle Paul, grace seemed to be this empowerment in his life. It was this power that put him to work. It was this power that drove him to do things and to serve and to love God and to serve the church and to love others, right? And the truth is, is that as verses 8 and 9 say, we don't need any works to be acceptable to God, but works are really a natural outcome of experiencing the grace of God. 
It just naturally flows from that. We become passionate about him. We become passionate about what he's passionate about, and that's people. That's the church, and we serve, and we love. And so I think uh, Ephesians 2.10 shows us that salvation isn't from, isn't, does not come from our works, but it also produces in us good works. God saves people so they might, so that they might live productive lives in keeping with really what God intended for us as humanity. Yeah. And there's some uh, good stuff to pick up in First Peter chapter uh, four, verses ten and eleven. But the the reality is, if 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 we've experienced this transforming work of Christ in our hearts, uh, he began. Part of that is him working in us and forming us to serve, mm-hmm. um, to show up, yeah, um, Pe- to make a difference. Peter says it like this. He says, "Each has received a gift." Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, who serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And so there's just this idea that every single one of us has been given gifts, we've been given talents, we've been given you know, time, talents, treasures in which we can invest into the kingdom. And God's given us these things, not just so that we can have them and keep them to ourselves, but so that we would We'd put them to use and serve, serve those around us, serve the church and love them. In uh, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a story. Uh, sometimes it's called the parable of bags of gold. Sometimes it's called the parable of the talents. But either way, it's about people who were entrusted with uh, money or with talents or with gifts. And in the end, the idea behind the whole parable is how they invested them. Uh, the person who received five talents invested five and you know, was given more. The one who invested two was given more. The person with one talent, though, rather than investing it and putting it to work, just just buried it and did nothing with it. And uh, and in the end, that's the person who came under judgment in the, in the parable, if you read it, in Matthew chapter 25. And so, I don't know. I, I think there's something there for us to recognize that each one of us has been given a gift. Each one of us can contribute. Uh, Tracy said it so well in that video that sometimes you feel like, well, what do I got to offer? Well, you know what? God has given you something. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you things in which you could, which we need you to use. Um, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not that uh, we, we want you to, but we need you to. It's, the scriptures talk about the body being like a body with different parts. And, you know, the eye can't say it to the leg, I don't need you, right? We need each other. We all matter. We all contribute to this at the end of the day. Yeah. We're hardwired to serve. Uh, you'll you'll never be completely happy until you start to serve. Can't remember the details here. If you want the details, go listen to message one in this series. But uh, those brain guys who figure out what part of the brains work did some work on what happens uh, to your uh, metabolism, to your brain function when you're serving, and the same part of your brain that gets excited when you have good food in front of you, the same part of your brain that uh, uh, has sexual cravings, enjoys sexual satisfaction, the same part of the brain lights up when you're serving. We are hardwired to serve. Uh, So you'll never really enter into fulfillment in life. I will never enter into fulfillment in life until uh, I'm serving. Was struck by Galatians chapter five, verse 13. Uh, as I was comparing that to the Exodus story, uh, English Standard Version, you're called to freedom. Man, you're not supposed to be living in Egypt, friends. You've been called to freedom. 
Only when you get to freedom, get your freedom, don't think it's for parties. Don't think it's so you can have a really good time. Don't think it's so you can do whatever you want. Don't think it's so you can have exciting church services, as wonderful as that is. But what's God called us to freedom for? This is an oxymoron. Scripture is full of so much tension. <laughs> You're free so you can serve. Free to serve. Out of love, we, we serve one another. And, you know, I, I've just been blessed by watching Christians serve and see the difference they make in people's lives. I uh, think of our ministry in Regina and a, a young father with two young sons who week after week after week after week showed up and led worship. It wasn't on a rotation. There was nobody else to do it. He showed up and he led worship week after week after week after week and took us into the presence of God with, with excellence, never grumbling, never saying, ah, this is too much, my boys mattered. He, he, was, he was just serving God. He knew he was made, designed by God to serve. Uh, set free, thank God he set us free, but we're set free uh, to serve one another. I'm sure you have some stories like that too, Pastor Jordan. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think serving really does free us from this idea that life is simply about me or ourselves in some cases. And in my last context, um, we used to set up a gym every single morning for services on Sunday. And uh, we would set up 400 chairs and uh, we, people would get there at 6 a.m., but in particular, one fellow got there at 6 a.m. And I'll, I'll call him Mike because his name was Mike. And a uh, good guy, really good dude, but he would come at you're 6 a.m. You're very creative. I am very creative. I am. Uh, he'd come at 6 a.m. all the time, and he would, he would literally, no matter what, every single week he made it his, his, his priority to be there. And uh, usually it was me and him for like the first hour, right? And I, honestly, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even often helping him with the chairs because I had a whole bunch of checklists that I had to go through um, myself. But Mike made it a priority every single week to be there. And I, I, I used to congratulate him and I used to thank him. And he was always the kind of guy who he, he, he would recognize and receive it, but he didn't necessarily want us to, to give him too many pats on the back. And I asked him why he did it all the time. And he would just look at me and say, this is my church. I love my church. It's priority to me. And Mike was a busy guy. Mike had a lot of stuff going on outside of what was happening in our church community. But he, he loved the church and he knew that this is a way in which God called him to serve there. And he, he made it priority. He made sure that he was a contributor to the community. I remember um, in my last setting, and I, I almost get nervous saying this around you because you're going to maybe call me on it one day. But we weren't allowed to use the terms, everyone's busy. <laughs> or we weren't allowed to say, I'm busy, uh, when we were asked about certain things. And the reason is, is because everyone's busy. All of us are busy. We all have different things. We all have different commitments that we're involved with. Each one of us has a full schedule. And so sometimes something that prevents us from serving is we feel like we don't have the time for it. But truly what I've found in situations, even when I'm talking about a person like Mike uh, showing up at 6 a.m. To, to set up chairs, wasn't that he, he didn't have the time, but he, he made the time, right? And he prioritized the time. And he, he took the time out of his schedule to make sure that that was going to be something that was going to be priority to him. Yeah, so uh, for the last couple of years, I've been staying home on Saturday morning and wrapping up my 
sermon prep from home and thinking about services, orders of service. But this morning, Pastor Karen had a, a training morning for people who were going to work in our children's ministry. And I walked in there, and part of me I'm driving here is, oh God, I pray she won't be too disappointed. Because <laughs> um, there have been times I've called these kind of things, and I've ended up a little bit disappointed. But uh, the network cafe was full of people who were saying, count me in, count me in. I'm going to serve our kids. I'm going to serve our kids. And so we're in for an exciting year. <laughs> as uh, this team serves our children. Um, we need each other. It only happens when we all find our place and all find our, our way. So uh, we're inviting all of you to, to find your way. Um, two brothers, two sisters can say, hey, <laughs> uh, let's do something together. I was thinking uh, this afternoon, we, we need ushers around here. Why doesn't a family say, hey, we're willing to get on a rotation. Our family will usher that day. Um, like around here, you don't have to be 35 to be involved. Uh, we want our 10-year-olds and our 12-year-olds involved in doing things. Um, so find a way to get committed.